Praise God. The scripture readings for this morning are out of Psalms 85. It says, You, Lord, showed favor to your land. You restored the the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people and covered all their sins. You set aside all your wrath and turned from your fierce anger. Restore us again, God our Savior, and put away our displeasure towards us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger through all generations? Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your unfailing love, Lord, and grant us your salvation. I will listen to what God the Lord says. He promises peace to his people, his faithful servants, but let them not turn to folly. Surely his salvation is near those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. Love and faithfulness meet together. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs forth from the earth, and righteousness looks down from heaven. The Lord will indeed give what is good, and our land will yield its harvest. Righteousness goes before him and prepares the way for his steps. Now in the Old Testament, Hosea chapter 1, verses 2 through 10. When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go, marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. So he married Gomer, daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. Then the Lord said to Hosea, Call him Jezreel, because I will soon punish the house of Jehu for the massacre at Jezreel and I will put an end to the kingdom of Israel. In that day, I will break Israel's bow in the valley of Jezreel. Gomer conceived again and gave birth to a daughter. Then the Lord said to Hosea, Call her Lo-Ruhamah, which means not loved, for I will no longer show love to Israel, that I should, all, that I should at all forgive them. Yet I will show love to Judah, and I will save them, not by bow, sword, or battle, or by horses and horsemen, but I, the Lord their God, will save them. After she had weaned Lo-Rahamah, Gomer had another son. Then the Lord said, Call him Lo-Ami, which means not my people, for you are not my People, and I am not your God. Yet the Israelites will be like the sand on the seashore, which cannot be measured or counted, in the place where it was said to them, You are not my people. They will be called children of the living God. Appreciated Jared preaching a, a couple weeks ago. Wasn't that awesome? Such a good word from the Lord, and 
and uh, appreciated him reading our scriptures for this morning. You can uh, turn your Bibles to the book of Hosea, and we'll be in chapter 1 together on the back of your bulletin. It's blank, and there's a pen in front of you to write down the scriptures, anything else the Lord leads you to. Um, <clears throat> and speaking of Jared, it's uh, their children, uh, Jaden and Hannah's birthday today, so make sure you wish Jaden a happy birthday when you see him out there. And, um, and it's good to be home. It's been a, a long time. We originally drove out to Colorado <clears throat> to drop Matthew off. He's advised us that he's never moving back home because he loves it in Colorado, and who can blame him? I get it. Well, yeah, I know. Broken heart. But uh, so uh, drove out, uh, dropped him off, got him settled, drove back, um, went to South Carolina for a conference, and came back. And then immediately got back and drove to Colorado for a camp and was supposed to be at a church last weekend, but a, a variety of circumstances happened there. So it just, it was, uh, it's been a long time. And uh, I enjoy traveling, just not like that. I, I would literally come home, I'd put my suitcase on top of our dryer, take all the clothes out, put them in the wash machine, wash them, dryer, dryer, put them back in the suitcase, and then head out. And it was just that's, I don't like that. That's not good. I like being in my bed at home. So, um, so it's really good to be home, good to be back with you, good to open God's Word together, and um, all of the verses for this week, the questions, are inside your bulletin. And so let's dive into what God has for us this morning. Has God ever asked you to do something crazy? Has God ever asked you to do something crazy? A little while ago, um, Leslie wanted new furniture in our home, and so uh, we decided that we would sell all of our furniture in a garage sale, and then whatever came in uh, would be our budget for new furniture. And, and so Leslie sold everything we had, <clears throat> then went out and kind of redid our home, and it was beautiful, it was great. And she had saved just enough money. To, the last room we had to do was our bedroom because we had sold everything in our bedroom. And so the last little bit of money we had was for the bedroom. And it was going just as planned. It was great. It's beautiful. Almost like having a new house. It was a lot of fun. And then she said, I think God wants us to give this money. And it was to a missionary who at the time was going through a very difficult time. And, and she said, I think I'm supposed to give this money to this missionary. And I said, yeah, let's go for it. Do it. If God told you to do it, that's what we do. If God tells you to do something, you just do it. So we did, and luckily we hadn't gotten rid of our mattress, so, um, <clears throat> so we had a place to, to sleep. But, uh, uh, and so we slept on our mattress for a while, and then miraculously, uh, someone gave a beautiful bed and set to the kids' pantry, an adult bedroom set to the kids' pantry, and they're like, we can't do anything. We help kids. And, and so they came to us, does anybody need a bedroom set? Boom, we do. And it was, it's nice. It's nice to this day. It's nicer than anything we could have afforded. And, and so that's, that's how God works sometimes. And it's a fun thing. This past week, I was at a camp in Colorado, and, and the Lord was moving in one of the services. And it it wasn't meant to be, but it became a prophetic service where words of the Lord were given uh, over certain kids, and he had called the pastors up, and we were giving prophetic words. And, and, and so, uh, so uh, he stood up and said, does any, anybody that wants a prophetic word come forward? Well, you know, the whole 
the whole camp came forward. And uh, so we <clears throat> just turned off the mics and began to prophetically pray over all the kids that came up. And so I was praying over this one young man, and I hadn't even opened my eyes. I was just praying over him, and I saw a crown over his head as I was praying, and, and I just felt these words come out of my mouth, you are a king. You are a king. You are a king. And I kept saying it. I kept saying it, and it was just like it kept coming out over And <clears throat> I don't know if you've ever had this. Us extroverts have this happen to us every now and then when our mouth is going, our mind is saying, just shut up, just be quiet, just stop talking. And I've come, because if I'm telling this, like, little teenage kid, he's a king, he's a king, he's probably thinking, yeah, all right, what else, what else you got for me, kind of thing. And, and so I just kept saying, you're a king, you're a king, you're a king. I didn't have anything else, I just moved on to the next kid, and I had kind of forgotten about that moment. So I was walking back to our house, and this kid comes chasing me down. And he said, how did you know to call me a king? And I they said, that's just, what, that's just what God gave me. That's the only thing God gave me for you. And he goes, there's no way you could know this because I've never told anybody this. And he has had a really hard life with his parents. and a, just It's a whole story. But, but he said, when I was a little boy, my mom would come into my room and say, son, you're a king. You're a king. You're a king. And he goes, a lot has happened, and I've fallen away from God, and I was coming to camp one more chance. God, do you love me? Do you know me? And he goes, there's no way. I goes, I've never told anybody this. And he goes, I got right with God tonight. You know, and I was just like, wow, God. Here I think I'm saying something crazy, something stupid. And, and yet God had a word for that young man. I could tell you a bunch of stories where I've given people word and they've told me I'm stupid. Or <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about as well, but those stories aren't quite as fun. Um, <clears throat> but sometimes God asks us to do crazy things, and we just have to do them. And God asks Hosea to do a crazy thing. I mean, this is, this is so outside the box. I mean, it's shocking what God says, this is what you're to do. He tells them, you go and marry a prostitute. And that's going to be a prophetic picture of how Israel has treated me, that I have a love for my people who are faithless to me. Reading just one verse from Hosea chapter 1 that Jared read earlier, I'll just read it again. It says, when the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, he said to him, go and marry a prostitute so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. This will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. It's the first thing that, that, that God asks Hosea to do in his ministry, in his prophetic ministry, go and marry this prostitute. It's like, wow, God, really? You, you think about it. I mean, this is something in the Old Testament, New Testament, throughout God's work. He's always likened our relationship to him like a marriage. That he's the husband and we are his bride. And in this case, God's people had forsaken God and they had turned to other gods. And now Hosea is going to live this out in a real life picture. He's asked to marry a prostitute. And I just want you to understand that this is not a fairy tale story with a good ending. This is not Pretty Woman where Julia Roberts and Richard Gere live happily ever after. 
Hosea's wife is going to continue in this profession. It's ongoing. And we know that infidelity will destroy a relationship. But repeated infidelity, that's destructive. And, and, and yet, Hosea has such a love for this woman that he goes out and he, he, he chases her down and he, he, just, he can't live without her and he just keeps bringing her home, back home again and again and again. They have children together, and they have children from other men as well, and we begin to see the names of the children in the passage that we read, and the first name comes from a judgment that God's going to bring against Israel, and then the second name, this poor little girl's name literally means no love, no love, and then the third child is not my people, that's what his name means, not my people. Are you seeing the heart of God in this story? It's a broken heart. God is like, you are my people. I have a covenant with you. I love you, and you are being faithless to me. They're following other gods. I mean, how could they follow other gods? I mean, God has done so much for them. How could they follow other gods? And before we're too hard on them, and this is where the message now starts coming into our lives, is that, that we follow other gods too. And you could say, I, yeah, I guess, but not like that, right? But yes, we do. See, in the Old Testament, God is Yahweh, the great I am. He is the deliverer. He is the creator God. He's the almighty God. He is the biggest of the big God. And they worship him because he's the big God, right? So yes, he is Yahweh. But I farm for a living, so maybe... I should offer a sacrifice to the sun God and the rain God, just, you know, just to cover my bases, because God's the big God, he's the main God, but maybe I should also do that, or maybe I should offer an offer to Baal, because that's a God of fertility, so yeah, maybe I should do that too, so I have a big family, and God blesses me that way. Maybe I should add this on and that on. Sure, no, God's the best, he's the most important, but, but for the everyday things of life, maybe I need to cover my, all my bases. We do the exact same thing. We know that God is God, right? I mean, we, his power, his presence was here today, right? No doubt about it. He's the big God. He's the God of the weekend. You wouldn't be here on a Sunday morning if you didn't worship God Almighty. But tomorrow, when you go to work, you might serve another God. Or you go to school, or you, 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 know, you just begin to live your life. It's like, well, i, I got to cover all my bases here. I, I've got to do what I have to do to get by, to make a living, to, to provide ends meet, to take care of my family. And so I will worship and do whatever I have to do to get that. And we don't mean to, but we forget about God in those moments, and we drift from him, and then we find ourselves far away from him, and it just happens, and that's what happened in Israel. They were just covering their bases on some other things, and then all of a sudden, they forgot about the big God. And let me tell you this. This is the most important part of the message right here. And that's this, that God is everything you need. He's everything you need, not just on a weekend, but starting Monday morning and all the weekdays as well. He is all 
that you need. Even when you feel like, well, I need something else, or, 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 or the world tells me I need this, I, I want to tell you, no, he is all you need, and he deserves all of your life. That's our God, the Almighty God, the Creator God, the Redeemer God, the God of our salvation, the God of our deliverance. He is all that we need. And so even with a faithless people and a broken heart, God still fulfilled his promises and his covenant with his people. It says in verse 10, the last verse that Jared read from the book of Hosea, yet the time will come when Israel's people will be like the sands and the seashore, too many to count. Then at every place where they were told, you are not my people, it will be said, you are children of the living God. I love this because in every Old Testament, when there is a prophecy of, look, there's going to be a judgment, there was always a thing, hey, return to me and you will be my people. That the promise is, it's not over, it's still there. And we turn away from God, and that happens in our life, we drift, we, we grow cold, that things happen, but God is not content letting us stay away, just letting us stay adrift. He doesn't wait for us to come back to him, he pursues and desires to be reunited with his people. Hosea did not wait for his wife to come home. He went out and got his wife. And so what we see in the Old Testament is what we see in the New Testament, and that's this, that God is the God of grace. It begins in Genesis, and it goes all the way through that God is a God of grace. He's a God that comes after his People. Like the video that we saw, he, he brings the hose and he washes us off. It's not a dad who's angry with us and beats us, but it's one that cleans us up when we come dirty to him. We read a lot about the great men and women of, of the Bible, and we think of like David or Moses. We're like, man, if we could just be like them. And it's like, no, really, please don't. Um, there's a lot of problems with these people including murder and other things, but just you don't want to be like these people because the Old Testament, listen to me, the Old Testament isn't a story about the heroes of the faith. There's only one hero in the Old Testament, and it's God. God who comes and cleans up and uses people that are broken, people that, that don't have it all together. God is the hero of the story, and God is the hero of your story because God's heart is for you. He's not against you. He's for you. And God is calling you into a faithful relationship with him. And all we need to do to have that faithful relationship with him is to come to him with a heart of repentance. And just to turn and, and, and come to him because God always receives real repentance. I want you to go a couple chapters over in the book of Hosea. It'll also be on the screen here. Because the people come up with a plan to get back in favor with God. And, and when you first read it, it sounds like a good plan, right? So I'll read it here in chapter 6, beginning of verse 1. It says, Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to, to pieces, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. After two days, he will revive us. And on the third day, he will restore us that we may live in his presence. Let's acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge him. As surely as the sun rises, he will appear. He will come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that, that water the earth. 
When you first read that, you, you see, yeah, Israel knows that they need to repent, that they need to come back to God. And they knew that no matter how far they strayed, that they could always come back. And that God would take them back, that he would revive them and restore them. And so if you read this passage, here's their plan. We're going to do this. We're going to make a quick sacrifice to God, and then everything will be okay. Because like in two or three days, everything will be fine. We'll just make the sacrifice, we'll appease him, and, and then everything will be okay. The problem is that God wasn't looking for a sacrifice. He was looking for their hearts. He didn't just want this sacrifice. Okay, thanks for the sacrifice. We'll be all good in a few days. No, he wanted their hearts. Because if you go just a few verses down, it says, For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, an acknowledgement of God, rather than burnt offerings. God is saying, you will not do for me what you do for those other gods where you show up before an idol and you make a sacrifice just to appease them and make everything right. You're not going to do that with me. No, I want something more. I want you. I'm not looking for an insincere sacrifice so that you can get out of your jam. No, I, I want repentance. God's love is too great for cheap repentance. He's looking for us to turn around and come to him, to have that heart after him. God wants your heart. He doesn't want you just to make a sacrifice and follow the rules. He wants all of you because he's given you all of himself. He's everything that we need. And even when God's heart is broken, like we see in the book of Hosea, his promises and his covenant remains true. And then we see in this passage, God is not a vengeful God. He's a merciful God, and he just wants his people. He, he'll go to any lengths to rescue his people. We also see that in Psalm 85 that Jared read today as well, this idea that there, we may be faithless, but we can always come back to God, that we can always return to him. It says in verse 7 of Psalm 85, Show us your unfailing love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. We're far from you, God, but we know that you'll rescue us because, listen to me, when you give God your heart and when you come to him, when you follow him, the blessings of the Lord follow. His promises follow. His love follows. His favor follows. His provision follows. That when we have a heart after God, it just, life just works better when we're doing it God's way. It says in Deuteronomy 28, when he's talking about the blessings and the cursings, this is what he says, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I give you this day and carefully follow them, you will always be at the top, never at the bottom. Do not turn aside from any of the commands I give you today to the right or to the left, following other gods and serving them. Don't go any other way. Go my way, and I will bless you. That's what God says in his word. You follow me and I will bless you. I've got you. My promises are true. You'll be at the top, not at the bottom. Follow me. But there are consequences when we don't follow God, when we don't have a heart after him. There are blessings, yes, but there are also cursings. And listen, this is very important. God doesn't curse you. Sin curses you. See, it's, it's when we sin, the curses follow the sin. The sin is what separates you from God. 
The sin brings suffering. The sin crushes your heart toward God. And so God's always saying in his word, here are the blessings and here are the cursings. Here is life and here is death. Please, choose life. Choose the blessings. Follow me. Have a heart after me. Don't follow other gods. And Verses 7 and 8 of Psalm 85, show us your unfailing love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. I listen carefully to what God the Lord is saying, for he speaks peace to his faithful people, but let them not return to their foolish ways. God's saying, keep a heart after me. Don't go following any other way. Come back to me. It's easy. That's what this message is all about. That's what the message of Hosea is all about. Come back to me. Respond to God's love, to his call to repent and to turn away and come to him. To walk in this faithful relationship with God that doesn't just happen when we're in church on the weekend, but that it happens every day, everywhere we go, no matter what we follow him. You go a little farther in Hosea, Hosea chapter 10, verse 12, it says, plant the good seeds of righteousness and you will harvest a crop of love. Plow up the hard ground of your hearts, for now is the time to seek the Lord, that he may come and shower righteousness upon you. This is a refrain throughout the prophets of the Old Testament. In the King James, it says, plow up the fallow ground, that we would plow up our hearts, that we would have a heart after God, that we wouldn't let our heart grow cold or stony before God, but that we would say, God, I want a heart after you. I want to follow you. I don't want to do things my way. I want to do it your way. And then we see in Ezekiel 36, 26, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. When we come to him, we say, God, just make my heart soft towards you. Renew a right spirit within me. Please, God. And God honors that. He's not looking for a sacrifice. He's looking for a relationship. He's looking for your heart. And just... That's what we give him. That's all he wants. And he will always take us back. We know, because God's word says so, that God always answers our prayer. And he always answers because he's always listening to us. So God always answers our prayers. Let me throw this out there. Do you always answer God's prayers? Now, I'm not saying God prays to you like we pray to him. You know, he's God, we're not. But prayer is communication. It's a talking back and forth. God's always listening to you, and he's always answering you. Are you listening to him and answering him? See, that's the question here is do we have a heart after God, that when he speaks to us, we obey what he says, whether it be what we hear preached on a weekend or we read in the Bible or in our devotional or what the Holy Spirit speaks to us. Do we obey him? Do we follow him? Do we answer his prayers? When he talks to us, do we listen and obey? The best way to listen to God is to be close to him is to, to, to have your eyes on him, your ears on him, your heart with him. When we're there, all of a sudden, when we hear a sermon, when we read a devotional, when we are listening to that still small voice, all of a sudden, we, we have these moments, okay, God, you told me to do this. I'm just going to do it. It's, it's a little crazy, but I'm still going to do it because you said for me to do it. God wants your heart so he can speak to your heart so that you will 
answer when he calls on you. It says in Psalm chapter 32, verse 8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. I want to tell you today that God is speaking to you. He wants to instruct you. He wants to show you which way to go. But you have to be listening. You have to be close to me. You have to have a heart after him. He says, I want to do this. And, and when you do, I'm going to be watching out for you. My eye is going to be upon you. And I was reading that and thinking about this. I, I all of a sudden began to think about the end of our service when we pronounce the blessing on our lives. And that blessing are with those that have a heart after him, who are his people that he will bless us, that he will protect us, that he will watch over us, that he will smile on us, that his favor, and that's what favor means, that he's, he's watching out for you, that his favor, his peace, his grace, it's all there. Just give me your heart. I have all that you need. You don't need to go anywhere else. Any other God, don't serve any other gods. They will just destroy you. They don't love you. They, they, I love you. I will bless you. I will protect you. I will watch over you. Just give me your heart. Come back to me. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me this morning? Hear the call of God this morning. He is not looking for a sacrifice. He's looking for your heart. He's looking for you just to turn and come to him. And not just something to get out of a jam, but that he would be the one that you need. He, he's not just the big God of, of, of deliverance and, and, and salvation and creation and he's almighty. It's that he's the only God. He's the only one we love. He's the only one we follow. He's the only one that has our heart. He's the only one we listen to. And when he is the only one, that love relationship brings the blessing and the protection and the favor and the grace and the peace. Lord, today we thank you for your word. In this crazy, outrageous story of Hosea, you speak loud and clear that you love us. Even if we're unfaithful, you still love us. You came to rescue us, and you don't let us just stay away. You come after us and bring us home. And so, Lord, bring us home today. Give us hearts of flesh. If our hearts are hard, turn them soft, Lord, today. If we've just been drifting a little bit today, bring us back into relationship with you. God, if we're walking close to you, keep us close to you that we may know your heart, that we may see you and hear you. God, that we may follow you and obey you. And God, that we may see the blessings of your presence in our life. Because God, we realize today as we worship, as we have prayed, as we have opened your word, that God, you are all that we need. This world has nothing for us. So God, keep our hearts pure. Keep our hearts close. We repent. We turn. Not in cheap repentance, but in true repentance. And we give you our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.